Hello and welcome. We are on the Revival Road with evangelist Chance Walters. If you are new to the podcast, each week we will upload a new message taken from one of our ministry opportunities from all over the world. Our prayer is that the Word of God would challenge you and change you, conforming you into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For more information, to give or to send in prayer requests, go to our website at www.chancewalters.org. And now, here is evangelist Chance Walters. We hope you enjoy the program. Today we are going to talk about Charles Spurgeon. And to be honest, I've read his quotes, some of his sermons, some of his books for many years, but I did not know just how vast and powerful this man was. His ministry reached the ends of the earth in the 17th century. He was an English Baptist preacher and he remains highly influential among Christians of various denominations, among whom he is known as the Prince of Preachers. He was a strong figure in the Reformed Baptist tra- tradition, and he opposed um, legalism in his day. Spurgeon was a pastor of the congregation of New Park Street Chapel, later that evolved into the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, and he led that congregation for 38 years. He was a part of several controversies, and and later he left the denomination over doctrinal convictions. And in 1867, he started a charity organization, which is now called Spurgeon's. Get it? And he worked globally, extensively to take the gospel where, where people had never been before. And his crowd stood in awe at his eloquency and his, his um, vocabulary. And he, 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 he spoke with such anointing that he would capture the attention and people would stand for hours and really lay, lay, stay in line just to get in the doors to hear what he had to say. He later founded a college which is named Spurgeon's College. And he, he authored so many messages that have, have changed the course of history. Even in our generation, his autobiography and commentaries and his books on prayer and poetry and his devotionals and his hymns that he wrote... I didn't even know that. The magazines that he produced and published, his sermons were transcribed as he spoke, and they were translated into many languages during his lifetime. He, he's a great predecessor um, to pastors today. He is said to have produced powerful sermons of penetrating thought and precise exposition. His orator skills are to said to have his listeners spellbound standing on their toes, his writings exceptionally held high in regard among devotional literature. He reached peaks that no person had achieved during his day. He really pulled back the curtain. He set a high standard for those that are called to ministry. He's a plowman. He went off course on. He sailed in uncharted waters. 
and, he, and he's really a hero in my heart. And today we honor his life and his legacy. And I, and I just want to pray at the conclusion of this podcast that there will be a special impartation um, to those that are listening to me today. But I want you to see in his early life, um, his, his conversion happened. The story is told that he was caught in a storm and he slipped into a, a little chapel and he sat on the back pew. He was tired and wet. And the pastor stopped in the middle of his sermon and he pointed at Spurgeon and said, Son, you look tired. You look weary from the journey. Today I'm calling you to look to Christ. Look to Christ. And in that moment, Spurgeon was captivated by the Holy Spirit and he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ at the age of 15 years old. January the 6th, 1850, in a snowstorm. Absolutely incredible how the Lord ordained this moment for him to have a radical conversion. He opened his heart to the salvation message. And the story is told that literally a few months later, he was set up to preach a sermon. A man told him, I want you to, to come to church and hear a young man that's going to share his heart and I believe that you're supposed to be there. And little did Spurgeon know that he was the man. He walked in the door and he soon found out that he was the young man that was going to share his heart. At the age of 16, he began to preach. And God catapulted him into ministry. And he served as, as a pastor at age 18. And people used to look down on him because he was young. But he really and truly set an example for those in faith and life and purity and in power as the Apostle Paul exhorted young Timothy to do the same. This was the life of Charles Spurgeon. His favorite verse, Isaiah 45, 22. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no one else. He confessed his sins when he looked to the Lord and this man was saved. Water baptism followed and then he soon moved to Cambridge where, where he pastored and, and he actually served as a Sunday school teacher. It's a beautiful story how he started low and he, God made his feet like the feet of a deer and he enabled him to go on to higher heights where he, he took over the new Park Street Chapel that was later evolved into the Metropolitan Chapel and he pastored there in London for 38 years. He was born in a small village. God took him from obscurity and threw him into the limelight because his, his orator skills and his vocabulary, it caught the attention of his hearers. And they would literally wait in line for hours just to find a seat in this beautiful tabernacle downtown London. And, and, and soon word spread throughout the city that, that this man was anointed by God to preach the word of God like no one else was doing in his day. History tells us that, that he, he was quite the entertainer. He was full of joy. Um, in his private life, he was funny. 
and, and, and he loved to laugh and tell jokes, but people saw the man in the pulpit and they were afraid of him in private, but they soon found out that he was an ordinary man called to do extraordinary things. He was a man just like us, just like Elijah. When the anointing came upon him, it changed him into a different person. But, but he, he, he really broke the mold for men and women in that day because he, he was theatrical. They said that he used, to, um, he used to move and walk around in the pulpit. They couldn't nail him down. He would leave the stage, and, and he loved to role play. He would dress up as Moses and, and David and Samson and Daniel. He, he, he loved to um, reenact the Bible stories in real life, and by doing so, people were drawn to his ministry. And I'm thinking in this moment, you know, the gospel doesn't change, but but our methodology does. We have to be cutting edge in our culture, and that's what separated Spurgeon from his um, um, predecessors. It, it separated him, and the people saw something different. But it was the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon his heart and his hands. God used him, elevated him to a high position. And his sermons and his messages literally went around the world. The congregation of his church would consist of 10,000 people. And in relation to the population of today, especially in the city of London, this was a big deal. They streamed into the hall. They mounted into the galleries, humming, buzzing, swarming, a mighty hive of bees, eager to see and to be the first to get a good seat, if any place at all, waiting, waiting, waiting to hear the word, the trampling of men. They wanted to, they wanted to, to hear what God had to say and to see what this man would do. An electric current surged through the sanctuary. One writer said, when you sit and heard his discourse, the thunder of his voice literally shook the room. They were impressed, but not only impressed, they were cut to the heart with the sincerity of who, his, who he was. I don't know about you, but my spirit is stirred today when, when I read about this man of faith. And today I just want to give you an invitation to lean in just for a minute as I read something that he wrote because his sermons literally um, pricked the hearts of, of the people. And I quote, When our lives come to be written at last... God grant that they be not our only sayings, but our sayings and our doings. And this is a fair assessment of Spurgeon's life because he was not an, an original thinker and he never claimed to be a theologian. Matter of fact, he didn't have any formal education. He was just called by God and anointed by the Holy Spirit. And, and, and the Holy Spirit was his teacher and that made the preacher. And in that role, he was surpassed. He was unsurpassed, excuse me, in his day 
and not often matched ever since. His originality as a preacher lay in his combination of old-fashioned doctrine and up-to-date delivery. He kissed these two. He did not forsake the infallible Word of God, but he delivered it in such a way that, that people were awestruck. He may have been an ordinary, conventional Victorian in many of his personal tastes and prejudices, but he had an uncanny ability to sense the pulse of his times and to know almost instinctively how to reach out to ordinary, troubled people in a language which they could not resist. It was the language of the marketplace. It was often humorous, pungent, pithy. It was common sense, compelling. The power of that language reached a worldwide audience and has kept the name and message of Spurgeon alive long after the embers of old controversies have died out. I must, I quote, and I will make the people listen, he said. The boy preacher said it and none has done it better. Oh, I quote, of two evils, choose neither. It is not how much we have, but how much we enjoy that makes happiness. End of quote. Anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but only empties today of its strength. Oh, brethren, be great believers. Little faith will bring your souls to heaven, yes, but great faith will bring heaven to you. So humble yourself. Humility is um, the right estimate of oneself. No one who knows who is listening would say, Nothing to you who would wish to put in the newspaper, so you better watch your mouth. He also said, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. Spurgeon was full of quotes, witty remarks, and, and, and many of his sayings are still being reiterated by ministers today. Sadly, Spurgeon died in January of 1892, London, south of the Thames, right there in a little suburb. He went into to, um, the hospital and he lost his life, but 60,000 people came to pay homage during the three days his body lay in the Metropolitan Tabernacle. A funeral parade two miles long followed his hearse, from the tabernacle to the cemetery. 100,000 people stood along the way. Flags flown at half-mast. Shops and pubs shut down. It was a remarkable demonstration of affection and respect. Even in an era when people were um, in upheaval, if you will. In observing the rituals that accompanied death. See, it wasn't popular. But people paid respect. Because Spurgeon respected the people, and he literally laid his life down, and God picked up his corpse, right? The Apostle Paul said, we die daily, <laughs> and I, I'm crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This dead man walking, filled with the Spirit of God, had an impact 
and a life and a legacy that we still reap from today. He was a little man who had a big God. He was a little man. And if the one thing that I learned from his life, he was born in a small village in the backside of England. You know, whenever I talk about my hometown, I say it doesn't even have a stoplight. But in his memoirs, he wrote, my hometown did not even have a railroad station. That was his reference. Didn't even have a railroad station. He had a horse. That was all he had. He was just born out in the middle of nowhere, a lot like Moses. But God chose him, and his words elevated him. His passion for the kingdom of God saved at 15, pastored at 18, moved to the big city a few years later, and, and, and people flocked to hear his faith. And, and, and what this teaches me, if you're listening today, what this teaches me is God loves to use unordinary, uneducated men. He loves to take the unwise to confound the wise. He loves to elect the rejects. He loves to choose the people that the political realm and the powerful people, they, they would never choose men and women like, like King David and um, Samson and, and Moses who had a stuttering problem and Joseph who was left in the pit to die. See, see, God picked these people up and he literally turned their life around, put them on solid ground and, and put a word in their heart, a fire shut up in their bones. See, this is who God loves to use. And I don't know about you, but this story encourages me. It encourages me not to look back, but to keep moving forward. Because God can do anything that He so desires. He wants to be with you, and He wants to be with me. Charles Spurgeon, born in England, but England could not contain his ministry. His ministry literally went around the world, even into today. So Father, thank you for his life, Charles Hayden Spurgeon. We thank you that he literally changed the landscape of the 17th and 18th century. And God, we thank you that, that he was a pendulum that was swung. It was a hammer that came down in the heart of Europe. And I, I prophesy over Europe today that you would raise up the next Charles Spurgeon. He's probably alive right now, 15 years old, and, and some some village that nobody's ever heard about. Fill him now, God. He's in a storm. I pray he would stumble upon a chapel. He would slip into a seat and, and that you would cut him to the heart, save his soul, fill him with the Holy Spirit. Do that for me and my ministry, Lord. The psalmist said, do not forsake me, O God, until I declare your power to the next generation. I pray that the passion of Charles Spurgeon would come back to the church, that you would give us new methodology. Behold, I am doing a new thing, says the Lord. Can you not perceive it? 
I'm doing something new, out with the old, in with the new. God, give us a new wineskin. We can't put new wine in an old wineskin. The old wineskin will blow, and it will be no good for anybody. So give us a new paradigm shift, a new strategy. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you're doing in in our generation, in the 21st century. God, fill us with creativity. Fill us, God, with your glory. We thank you for what you did in the lives of these men and women. But God, we pray that you would do it in our day. Give us souls lest we die in Jesus' name. The Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon. God, you call us kings and priests unto you. Crown us with confidence. Put a scepter in our hand. God, to rule with power and authority and dominion to take the land. Until next week, God's General, Charles Spurgeon. This program was made possible by the generous partners and friends of Chance Walters Ministries International. Until next time, We are on the Revival Road. For more information, download our free ministry app or go to our website at www.chancewalters.org. Indeed, the best is yet to come.